Imagine waking up in the morning, having a nice big stretch, and you can hear the kookaburra on the old gum tree outside, and you throw on your dressing gown, and you head outside for the morning paper, only to be greeted by a thousand police officers forcing you at gunpoint to go back inside. Well, if you live in Melbourne, this could be you. It occurred to me that there must not be any black people in Flemington because black lives don't matter. They don't matter if the police say or if the government say, hey, stay inside against your will. They obviously don't matter because no one is talking about this like it's a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to be talking about uh, the death rates of COVID, what's happened to those. And we're going to talk about Trump's new executive order on social media. So stick around. So I am a bit worked up today. The Premier of Melbourne, Dan Andrews, or Dictator Dan as he's known on the Twitter sphere, has locked down 3,000 vulnerable members of society without notice. Now he's given them letters now, but the day that it happened, they didn't know. They were just told, hey, stay here, that's it, you're done. No trial, you know, no uh, legal procedure, just blatantly, you're under house arrest, you can't leave. And you might be thinking, well, all right, that maybe it's reasonable. Maybe, look, we've heard that Melbourne, they have a lot of uh, new COVID cases. There's a big spike. Yeah, well, they also did 73,000 tests. So with more tests, of course, you're going to have more cases. But let's even disregard that. Why are we locked down in the first place? Take a step back. Why did we lock down? This was the theory. The theory was that there would be so many deaths, so many people, sorry, in hospitals that it would overwhelm the system and then there will be more death. Okay, we only have a certain number of ICU beds. Uh, if we surpass that number, if people are still on, uh, still on respirators and all the rest of it, then we're going to have to make choices on who gets to live and who gets to die. That was the problem, okay? And we didn't want to be in that position. So uh, our kings and queens of Australia because uh, I guess Scott Morrison is a queen. He looks like a bit of an old queen, doesn't he? Oh, Scotty Morrison. Scott Morrison, the queen. That's what I'm going to call him from now on on this podcast, the Queen Morrison. So Queen Morrison said, look, uh, we're going to lock down maybe for two weeks or so. We don't know. We'll just lock down and then safely uh, we'll just eradicate the virus somehow. Okay, so our hospital systems aren't overwhelmed. Well, the virus got in uh, and the hospital systems weren't overwhelmed. We did fine. We didn't even have that many deaths. We went very, very well on a global scale. And if you want to know why we went so well, I did a podcast very early on. You can look it up. Just type in the Political Deactivist podcast, COVID, and I'm sure you can find it. And I outline why we went so well. But in any case, the theory was flatten the curve, make sure the hospital systems are okay, and then everyone will be okay. All right, well, we flattened the curve. The problem with that the problem with the theory of that we could just delete the virus if we all stayed home is this. If one person has it, if one person comes into the country with it, what happens? We have to lock down again. Of course, there will be a second wave. Okay, so we all lock down after the second wave. If another person has it, there's a third wave. There's always going to be a second, third, fourth, fifth wave if we keep locking down. That's just uh, like what's wrong with you? Anyway, so let's go back again. The theory is 
save the hospital systems. Now, show of hands in the audience, how many people died of COVID in Melbourne in the past couple of days? How many people died to justify locking 3,000 people at the the most vulnerable end of the spectrum, because these are uh, public housing units? Uh, How many people died of COVID in Melbourne? Just have a guess. We had a big spike in cases. How many people died? Well, let me give you a hint. If you had one hand, uh, like one of your hands was ripped off by a shark, you could still count it on that one hand. If then uh, your thumb was bitten off by a rabid raccoon, you could still count the number of deaths on that one hand. If you stuck your finger up at Dan Andrews and a police officer came and snapped it off like he was major pain, you could still count it on one hand. If you had a bitch ex-wife and you, you didn't even want to take the ring off, you wanted to chop that finger off, you could still count it on that one hand. And then if your primary school teacher said, hey, it's rude to point, and she cut that finger off too, you could still count the number of deaths on that one hand. There was one person who died. One. One person. So we are uh, just complicit. We're just, okay, this, this is fine that the government can lock up all of these people. Oh, they gave them food. They didn't give them milk or bread. They gave them like wheat picks without milk. It's absolutely horrendous. It's just oh, so pathetically, uh, pathetic isn't the right word, uh, patronizing and uh, annoying to see this. Uh, frustrating for me to watch. And no one's talking about it because apparently there are no black people in Flemington, as I said at the start of this episode, because black lives don't matter in Flemington. The most vulnerable members of society being locked up, that doesn't matter to people because it's for the greater good, this one person who died of corona. Now, I did a little maths. Now, the media keeps saying it's five days, so let's, uh, let's work out the math in terms of years lost, shall we? So if there are 3,000 people in these buildings who are locked up without trial against their will, 3,000 people, uh, for five days. Uh, That is 15,000 days all up, which means it's 41 years of lost life. But here's the kicker. It's not five days. The notices they got, not on the first day, but the notices that they got in the mail said it's going to be 14 days. So how long is that? It's 115 years. So we're just going to sit back and say, yep, Dan Andrews, that's great. Uh, Take 115 years of potential life to somehow theoretically save the rest of the planet. Like this, oh, but you know what? To Dan Andrews, it's probably only, I don't know, 62 and a half years because you know how his eyes don't look in the one direction. So you can probably only see half the problem. Uh, Oh, God, what an absolute twat. Oh, I just can't even. Uh, if you are in Flemington listening to this, please comment on the podcast. Uh, shoot me a message at thepoliticaldeactivist.com and maybe we can have you on and you can talk about your experiences. But, you know, guys, if you go on YouTube, you can find all of these people uh, making videos about it. Anyway, but this really goes back to what I said right at the start of this crisis. I said this in January and February, and you can see a post I did called the morality of the shutdown and i started that post by saying even if the virus were 10 times as bad as it is it does not justify the forced lockdowns and you can read why in that post 
But let's just stop and think about this. Pull over your car if you have to. Stop your work. Tell your child to shut up for one second. I'm sure you say that every five seconds. Like, shut up for just one second. I can't think. Uh, that's what I would say. I would be a terrible father. Uh, what do you have sovereignty over? You personally, whoever you are listening, what do you have sovereignty over? Really think about it. Because right now in the Western world, it's almost nothing. If you woke up in Melbourne, the government literally dictates how many people you can have in your house and how many people can leave your house and whether you personally can leave your house. They don't care if you have an autistic child. They don't care if you have mental health issues. They don't care if you need to see someone else with mental health issues. They don't care about your business. They don't care about anything. And you don't have sovereignty over any of it. It's not your choice. You don't have choices to make regarding your own life. Think about that. They are your masters. You might think, oh, we're in a free country. It's a beautiful country. Look, they're your masters. Over one death, actually it was before the death, but over one death, they have said to 3,000 people, you cannot leave what do you have sovereignty over where do your rights start and the government's rights start it's not even at your front door they're in your house you're not allowed to have certain number of people in your house are you okay with this maybe you're thinking covid was so bad covid was really really terrible it killed all of these people disregard the fact that you have a 98 percent chance of surviving from covid if you are a young fit healthy person under the age of 80 Disregard that for a second. COVID was so bad, so therefore they're justified. Okay. Well, it turns out it wasn't that bad. It was bad to particular people. You know what? The median age of a COVID death in the United States is four years uh, over the median age of death. So people dying of COVID in the US were the healthiest of the oldies, if that makes sense. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Just a fun fact. The point is this, you don't have sovereignty over your life. And until people stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to tell the government to get stuffed and I'm just going to live my life as if they didn't even exist. I'm not telling you to evade taxes or anything like that. I'm saying that if you're in those buildings, push your way out. How dare they try and detain you? Oh man, God help me if they did that to the apartment building I lived in. God help me. I don't know what I'll do. I'm so, my blood is boiling over this. I just can't believe how Australia is silent about it. Oh, Black Lives Matter. Everyone uh, crowd the streets. Oh, climate change. Everyone crowd the streets. Uh, 3,000 people detained against their will. Some of them black. A lot of them vulnerable. All of them poor. Who cares? I do encourage you, however, to go to thepoliticaldeactivist.com and read my article about the morality of the shutdown. It's not the best article I've written. It's a bit haphazard. I think I was very emotional at the time, but tried to be, tried to be factual. But it was hard because when you see your country turning into what it's become, really, and when I say that, I'm referring to the thought processes of the citizens of the country. It's very, very scary and upsetting. But the morality is very, very important to think about it. And think about it like this. If you personally would not stop someone from leaving their house with a gun, 
then you cannot possibly support a police officer to do the same. That just does not make sense. You can't outsource the violence and then have a clear conscience. So I would not grab a gun and stop those people. I don't care who's sick. I'd stay away from them. But I don't care who's sick in that building. I would not stop them from leaving with a gun. It's just, I could not morally do that. And I don't think you could either. Therefore, we can't support the government to do it for us. That just does not make sense. That's not moral. It's not moral to outsource our violence. Because at the end of the day, the smallest minority is the individual. And all of these individuals are the most vulnerable in our society. And if they don't matter, who does, really? If you're not going to fight for them, you're just going to fight for yourself or fight for some cause that's going to give you like that sense of self-gratification or, you know, oh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, Australia, we, we have a bad history too. Well, we have a bad present, okay, if we're going to allow this to happen. And you know what? If you watch the footage of all the police officers rolling in the hundreds into these um, apartment buildings to surround them and their interaction with the residents there, are they wearing masks? No, they're not. Are they allowed to go home? Yes, they are. How does that make sense? So all of these police officers somehow are immune? Uh, uh, Hello? How does that make any sense? Andrew should be there at the towers. He should be standing there in his little Nazi uniform at the towers, and we'll see how that goes down. What it all boils down to is one simple question. What are your principles and what do you stand for? I have a couple uh, basic principles. One of them is quite simple and quite misunderstood, which is private property. I think that's one of the fundamentals because not only does that mean you can do what you want with your property, you can grow what you want, you can produce what you want, you can run a business from your home, you can do whatever you want, but also it means in the most basic fundamental sense of the word, you can control what you do to your body. You can control where you take your body, but you can't impede, of course, on other people's private property. You can't just trespass and things like that. But we don't even have that. We don't even have basic private property. You can't do what you want in your home, even if it's not hurting anyone. And you can't do what you want with your body, even if it's not hurting anyone. They have complete sovereignty over every aspect of your life. And you might think, hey, well, I'm safe in my own head. I've I've got access to my own thoughts. Well, sometimes you're not even allowed to think the things that you're allowed to think, because if you utter the things that you're thinking, you'll be charged for that as well. So uh, maybe you don't even have to be charged. They just have to uh, change the algorithm so you can't get your message out there. Uh, Yeah, which will bring us on to President Trump. Actually, no, before we get there, we need to talk about the death rates. The media, and the media have so much blood on their hands and they don't even care, but you know, how are you going to change them? Uh, it's going to take a long time. But the media have said, oh, there's new COVID spikes, there's new COVID spikes, there's new cases, there's new COVID spikes. Okay, plot the graph of the new cases against the deaths, the daily deaths for every country for the last, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks. All of the deaths have been going down. The number of deaths per day have been going down. The cases have been going up. The deaths have been going down. Is that not cause for celebration? Should we not be happy? Something's been happening. Something good. 
oh, but we're not going to report on that. It's not scary. It's not scary enough. I, I don't think the media are in, you know, arm in arm with some sort of big new world order thing going on, but they definitely love the fear and love the drama and it's damaging. Like there's a reason why Trump always gets uh, gets a lot of cheers and stuff when he calls it fake news or he says that the media are the enemy of the people because people with their head screwed on can see how uh, biased and how how much the media loves sensationalism. It's absolutely disgusting. And if you're listening to this and you're a journalist and you are privy to writing articles that say, oh, cases have gone up, rah, 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 really look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? It's not as bad as it seems. And the death rates have gone down. Maybe I should write about that. Maybe. Had we been smart about this whole virus thing, things would have worked out so much better. If we had just allowed the virus to do its thing, if you're scared, stay home. If you're vulnerable, stay home. If you have vulnerable members of your family, take care of them. Don't see them too many times. Make sure they've got masks. Make sure they have food. Don't panic by. If we did all of those things like rational human beings, it would have been fine. But now because we've said, okay, we agree with the government's plan, we agree that we should eradicate the virus completely, Uh, now we're stuck in this mess where we're just going to have wave after wave after wave. Because as I said earlier, with no herd immunity, as soon as one person with the virus comes in, there's a wave. Whereas if we were just allowed to develop that herd immunity, that wouldn't happen. But you know what? Too late now. And we're too late for a lot of things now, unless over the next couple years we really start to change the conversation because now we've given them precedence they can lock us down for basically anything if they're going to lock us down for a virus with with a 98 percent survival rate what else are they going to lock us down for man they didn't even lock people down when bombs were dropping in world war ii across europe they played an alarm they warned people but it wasn't illegal for you to walk the streets You could do it at your own risk. You could dodge the bombs if you want. Well, you couldn't. You'd die. But that's the point. There wasn't a law. They didn't lock you in your house. They didn't lock you in your basement. And I'm pretty sure the bombs were more dangerous than COVID-19. God. All right, let's talk about uh, President Trump and his new executive order. As soon as they say Trump, people are like, ew. Or they might be like, yay. But no one's like, eh. I'm pretty much like, eh. Uh, but I am a unique individual. I like to think, but maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just an idiot. Who knows? So in layman's term, this new executive order says that Twitter, Facebook, and all of those social media giants, if they engage in censorship, so if they have an algorithm that uh, penalizes conservative voices or voices other than the mainstream narrative, if they engage in that sort of censorship, they will be treated like a publisher. And therefore, they'll be liable for what's on their platform. But if they don't engage in uh, censorship, then they won't be liable for what's on their platform. It's a very interesting, uh, it's a very interesting order, and it will be interesting to see how it plays out. And it does make sense because the algorithms are so bad. They really do penalize you if, for example, if you have the hashtag Uh, free market or if you have a hashtag libertarian or hashtag Mises or anything like that your video performs very very poorly it's almost akin to shadow banning uh 
it's not that bad, but it's pretty bad. Um, and it's definitely a thing. If you watch that Joe Rogan episode where the guy comes in and he talks to the Twitter executive and she's just denying, 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 but you're like, oh, really, really? Uh, it's definitely a thing. Uh, and so Trump has made an executive order against that. And interesting, I think it's a good thing. Uh, but time will tell. Uh, and I need to read through it a bit uh, more carefully to see what else it stipulates. But uh, as it stands, looks like they're going to be treated as a publisher if they engage in acts against free speech, which I think on the surface looks like a good thing, but we'll never know. But how could the free market solve this problem? How could we do it without Trump? It would take a much longer time, but this is how you would do it. First of all, I guess last of all as well, the reason why companies pander to the government or pander to a particular party in the government is because they want special treatment. They want some sort of regulation or some sort of preference from their political party that they're backing. Now, if we limited the government's power, if we took away the government's power over small businesses and over large businesses and all of that, and we limited the government to basically just do the fundamentals like protecting us from each other, i.e. protecting your fundamental rights as a human being from being impeded by another person, if we limited them to that at first, if we limited them, then they wouldn't have all of this excess power that companies would be trying to wield. It wouldn't be of any benefit to them. Let me play a little clip for you from Another Way. You can find it at anotherwaymovie.com. So here is a little clip from Gideon Rosner. Mark Zuckerberg very recently was before Congress arguing, asking Congress to regulate social media. Uh, now, that might seem like a very odd thing for Mark Zuckerberg to do. You'd think that red, red, more regulation on Facebook would make his life and his business more difficult. And on one level, it will. But don't forget that only Facebook has the economy of scale to monitor the content in such a way that those regulations might require. To monitor laws against, for example, hate speech, you'll require, you'll require literally millions of people to monitor content. Um, that means that a smaller social media platform to, that might want to compete with Facebook can't open up because it cannot afford those compliance costs. So red tape a lot of the time, the silent issue around it is that it locks in the bigger players that have armies of lawyers and consultants and get, and get around the red tape basically and squashes the little guy and keeps and, and, and ma- it keeps barriers to entry so high that we don't see innovation, we don't see new businesses entering the market, we don't see price pressure because in effect oligopolies are established. Uh, you know, there's this, an expression we use uh, called the Canberra cartel, big business, big governments, big unions. And that cosy triumvirate relationship uh, is what a lot of people think of when they think of capitalism. That's not true capitalism. That is not true free market capitalism. Uh, that's crony capitalism. And, uh, and, and, and we need to free up the economy. People need to bear the costs of their own decisions. Companies need to bear the costs of their own decisions. They can't just have a friend in Washington who's going to, at the stroke of the pen, uh, basically give them rivers of gold. That shouldn't be how it is. Where did this all start? Well, it ramped up during the progressive era under um, Roosevelt. Uh, and there's a great book. Fun, funnily enough, called the Progressive Area, where you can see how many orders that he signed and how many things he got pushed through, which just helped his mates in big business. You might be like, "Oh, he was the trust buster." Was that actually true? 
was it true check it out uh it's a really really good book it's it's long and it's uh detailed but i guess that's what you need sometimes so what do you think is it okay for dictator dan to lock people in their homes did trump make a good decision with his new executive order on social media i tend to think he kind of did even though i'm against government executive orders but you know what uh it would have taken a long time for the free market to do its thing especially with the amount of protections they already have but i could be wrong i'd love to hear what you have to say also the death rate is going down on covid so we should be happy we should be celebrating we shouldn't be locking people in their homes i have a new video on youtube it's about socialism and how socialism would work in the music industry here's a spoiler i don't think it would work but check it out i tried to be funny i think it's kind of funny anyway we'll see check it out on youtube and make sure you send this to one of your friends to enlighten them or send it to one of your enemies to annoy them See you next time.